This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the number of COVID cases and fatalities keep piling up as the governor tries once again to downplay the danger. We want to obviously um, send the message that, 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 that the virus is an important uh, issue. It's obviously something we're working hard on, and I know a lot of people in Florida have taken a lot of appropriate measures, and I think it is paying off. I think we'll see that very soon. But you won't see any improvement just yet. Quite the opposite. In the past week, Florida set records for COVID deaths and new cases. But Ron DeSantis says there is no need to panic. A lot of people have a lot of angst and stress that gets built up. And I think fear uh, is our enemy uh, here. As the governor tries to minimize your fears, Democrats on Florida's congressional delegation sound the alarm. How many people is it going to take to die in Florida of the coronavirus? How many more records do we have to have before the governor will heed the common sense Florida public health guidance that he has gotten and ignored? During Sunrise in Depth, you'll hear more from Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Lois Frankel, Ted Deutsch, and Donna Shalala as they ask the governor to step up his game against COVID-19. Everyone we talk to says there should be a statewide mask requirement, and that's on the governor. And the ones that we've spoken to down here have said the only way to slow the spread of this contagion is a short-term stay-at-home order. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with two Florida men with an interest in animals. One ended up in the hospital after encountering an iguana. The other is planning an X-rated movie about Carol Bascom and the Tiger King. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, July 20th. Florida reported more than 80,000 new cases of COVID-19 over the past week. That is a new record. 89 fatalities were logged Sunday, bringing the state's total to 5,091. 740 of those deaths were reported in the last week. That's another record for the Sunshine State. There were almost 12,500 new cases reported Sunday. More than 350,000 Floridians have been infected since the pandemic began, and we're setting a new record there every day. Bottom line, COVID-19 is kicking our state's collective butt. Yet, Governor Ron DeSantis says the real enemy is fear. As we look at what's going on with the virus, uh, it is an enemy for us, for sure. But so, too, is, is fear in terms of, of how we approach this. There's a lot of different things that get put out in the headlines and this and that, not always with, I think, the appropriate context and perspective, but I think the, the result is, is that a lot of people have a lot of angst and stress that gets built up, and I think fear uh, is our enemy uh, here, and I think that, that, that we approach this with, with a steady resolve. Uh, I think we're going to handle it much, much better. You can almost hear the governor trying to channel FDR's historic inaugural address at the height of the Depression. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. This fear argument is the governor's latest attempt to distract us from the daily death toll. And he claims the fear of the virus may do more harm than the virus itself. DeSantis says people with serious ailments are refusing to go to the hospital because they fear being infected by coronavirus. When you have a situation like this, uh, you obviously I've said, talked about the angst and the fear that so many people have felt. Uh, and part of that is concerned about 
what the virus may do, uh, but quite frankly, what we found is for a lot of people, it's uh, concerned about some of the fallout that's happened uh, with some of the changes that, that have happened uh, to our country since March. Uh, people concerned about making ends meet, putting food on the table, what's going to happen with their kids, what's going to happen with school, all these very pressing things that, that really do weigh on a lot of people. And we can't forget that that is a huge part of, of what we're dealing with right now. The governor rarely mentions the death toll. In fact, he blames the media for fixating on fatalities and on all the new cases reported each day without providing what he believes is the proper context for those numbers. So, for example, I think it was a week ago where it was like Florida has record shattering cases, you know, which was true. That was the most cases. I think it was 15,000. But I don't think the headline said that that was out of 144,000 test results. So, you know, that's a percentage that's a little higher than where we were in May and early June. Obviously, we'd like to be, you know, 5% or less. Um, but had some of the states that were having massive outbreaks tested 144,000 at the height of theirs, they would have had 50, 60, 70,000. And so I think it's important to put that in context because I think a lot of people see cases, I think they get really, really scared. And, and my message is, you know, the fear is our enemy. You know, let's understand. I mean, there's obviously things that, that Floridians are doing and that, that we're doing, whether it's working with hospitals, whether it's doing some of the other stuff. Um, but there is that. And I think the other thing that gets missed with the cases is the sheer number of people who are testing who aren't sick. Because I think most people see, you know, cases and they're like, they think that that many people are, are in the hospital or are going to go. And the way this disease is, is it's largely, particularly for people who are under 60, either minimally or asymptomatic. We're now capturing a lot of those folks. When uh, we were doing this in March, I mean, I don't know if you, what you guys had for criteria, but at any of our sites, you had to be symptomatic and you had to be 65 or older when we first rolled out our drive-through testing sites. And so in late March, I mean, we were getting 1,000, 1,300 cases a day out of maybe 7,000 tests that were administered. Part of the reason we did it that way is because we were concerned uh, or we just were limited and that there was not a lot of testing in, in the country compared to what we have now. So I think just with the cases, uh, people should just put it in the context. You know, you look and see, it seems like the U.S. has more cases now than it did in March or April. Um, not just including Florida, the whole, the whole country, but if, if they were testing like we are now in March and April, it would have been way, way more throughout the country. So that's just something that I think people should understand, put it in the proper context, um, but, but the idea that, um, you know, when we're testing 100,000 people a day and the majority of the positive tests are people who are either asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic, that's something that's important for people to know. The governor also believes fear is the main reason why so many parents and teachers have trouble with the drive to reopen public schools. Look, it's, it's, it's a fear of the unknown. It's a natural human response. But I can tell you, having dealt with this every day since February and looked at the data in the U.S., Florida, across the world, um, and as a father of three young kids, uh, I do not fear this virus's effect on my kids. I think the risk is, is incredibly low. I fear way more things in terms of in terms of their health and safety, but I would not have any uh, problem uh, having them in school if they were they're not school age, but if they were, I, I would absolutely do that, and, and I think it would be safe for them. But I'm going to be uh, uh, doing uh, a lot more personally, getting involved to just help uh, some of the school districts. I mean, I think that we have different 
parts of the state that are dealing with a, a different type of epidemic. And so you look at like a Miami-Dade versus a St. John's County, yeah, that's a big difference in terms of in terms of what you're seeing. I think the one thing I think is really important is, you know, parents should be able to make the decision that's best for their kid. And so if they believe their child would be better off doing distance learning, if they're not comfortable with their parent, with their kid going back to a school setting, uh, I think they have the they should have the right to make that choice. But I also think that there's a lot of parents who've seen regression in academics and and seen their kids miss some of the great things about being in school who want to have that ability uh, to, to, to get them back. And I know, I think the vast majority of folks really want to see, um, you know, kids prosper. That word prosper tells you a lot about where the governor is coming from. It means financial or material success. I have two daughters. I want them to prosper now that they're adults. But when they were kids in school, I wanted Jenny and Katie to be healthy and happy, not prosperous. Perhaps if the governor stopped thinking of this epidemic in financial terms, he would have a better understanding of the fear parents feel. And honestly, telling us he would gladly send his kids to school when they're old enough does not provide a lot of comfort. This pandemic should be done by the time the governor's kids are ready for school. If it's not over by then, I suspect we'll have a different governor. If you're wondering who's really prospering from the COVID crisis, check out Spencer Forden's story on FloridaPolitics.com. He reports on a study by Americans for Tax Fairness and Healthcare for America Now that indicates Florida's 56 billionaires. Wow, we have 56 of them. Well, anyway, they saw their wealth increase by more than $15 billion between mid-March and mid-June. The value of their collective portfolios increased by more than 8%, while total U.S. household wealth shrank by more than $6 trillion. The director of Americans for Tax Fairness says it's immoral that billionaires are getting richer and richer while average Americans are treading water if they are lucky or drowning from the economic crash caused by the pandemic. Democrats who serve on Florida's congressional delegation have been trying to meet with the governor for months to share their concerns about the state's response to the virus. But this is about the only thing they've heard in the way of a reply. Next up on Sunrise In-Depth, we'll hear from Florida lawmakers who say the governor needs a new strategy on COVID. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we're much obliged. Florida Hospital Association members are safe, ready, and equipped to care for all Floridians. As our hospitals resume elective procedures, ensuring the safety and well-being of our patients, employees, and communities remains our first priority. Contact your local health care provider for information on visitation policies, access restrictions, and how to get needed care safely please visit the Florida Hospital Association at fha.org slash COVID for more information. Welcome back to Sunrise. Since the start of the pandemic, Governor Ron DeSantis has made himself the public face of Florida's fight against COVID-19. He's coordinated with the White House and follows the lead of Donald Trump. The results have been disappointing, to say the least. Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz of Broward County says deadly and devastating are more accurate descriptions. We keep waking up every day and expecting a different result from a governor who is allowing Rome to burn around him. He does the same thing every day. Nothing. Results have been devastating. Florida now has more daily cases than New York did at its worst. When Florida shut down in the spring, the reason we shut down is because we needed to flatten the curve so our hospitals and healthcare system didn't become overwhelmed. Well, we are there. Our hospital and healthcare systems are overwhelmed, particularly here in South Florida. And the bottom line is that this is urgent. Florida is now the global coronavirus center. 
Uh, that's not what, what I'm saying. It's what experts are saying. We need to pause the reopening and flatten the curve. And if we don't, it's going to quickly get worse. How many people is it going to take to die in Florida of the coronavirus? How many more records do we have to have before the governor will heed the common sense Florida public health guidance that he has gotten and ignored to require masks to be worn in public statewide to slow the spread. Our hospital systems are overwhelmed. Staffing shortages, supply shortages, PPE shortages, and, and we're putting intensive care patients in parking garages. How many more, how much worse does it have to get before he will make sure that we can take those important steps to slow the spread and, and not cause more people to die. Death and sickness is lying at the feet of Ron DeSantis, and he needs to stop the bleeding. Now, these are the sort of things you should say to someone's face, but Congresswoman Lois Frankel of Palm Beach County says the governor won't meet with them. All they can do is send him letters and hold Zoom press conferences when he doesn't respond. You know, it's very unfortunate that we cannot talk to the governor directly, as he has never spoken to us. We have written to him or his agency had probably over 25 letters on COVID issues ranging from testing to mask wearing to fixing the broken unemployment system. And we have sadly gotten very little or no response. So for us to resort to a press conference to even try to get his attention is very awful. But this is an emergency. And very sadly, from day one, the governor has been taking his cues from the president of the United States, which has led young people to live dangerously and our seniors held hostage in their homes. He's called this a blip. Uh, I don't think it's a blip when thousands of people are sick and thousands of people die. A funeral is not a blip. So I just joined with my colleagues today to ask the governor to step up and show the leadership uh, that we need uh, so we can get back on track. Because here's the thing, folks, he's trying to force people back to work with a broken unemployment system. I know he wants to open the economy, so do we, but nobody's gonna wanna come to Florida if we're the epicenter of this disease with more COVID than most countries in the world. Congresswoman Donna Shalala of Miami-Dade, who ran the Department of Health and Human Services under Bill Clinton, describes the governor's response to COVID-19 as tragic. We're witnessing a tragedy unfolding in our community. People getting sick, people dying because of a lack of leadership from the governor. And we've been very clear in our letter about what he needs to do. But basically, he needs to follow CDC, even White House guidelines. And um, all of us want the economy to reopen, but it's not possible. In Miami-Dade, we're totally dependent on crowds, large numbers of people coming to visit. That's how our economy will respond. And it's not going to respond as long as this virus is totally out of control in our communities uh, across uh, Florida. So we're begging the governor, we're insisting that he lead on this issue and that he close down everything except the mo tightest, most essential services, that he get a strategy in place for contact tracing, 
that he mandate masks, and that he save lives. This is about saving lives. It's about preventing illness, and it's about protecting one of the most important institutions in our communities, our healthcare infrastructure. And Congressman Ted Deutsch of Palm Beach County says things are nowhere near as rosy as the governor would have you believe. Our hospitals are scrambling. They're scrambling to put beds in conference rooms, in classrooms, in the garage. They don't have enough staff. They're reusing PPE. They're running out of treatments like remdesivir. This crisis in Florida, we've seen before. We've seen hospitals forced to put patients uh, in hallways and in available rooms. We saw it in Italy in February. We saw it in New York in March. And we don't understand why the governor didn't learn these lessons. The White House has been preparing guidance for our state, recommendations that they have not shared publicly. Florida is in the red zone, according to the White House, but Governor DeSantis isn't taking action while these alarms are blaring. Why is that? Instead, he continues to minimize the crisis that will make it harder to meet the challenges ahead. He downplayed spiking cases. He downplayed the rising positivity rates. He downplayed full ICUs. He downplayed deaths, just like the president. Governor DeSantis is trying to spin the data and ignore the health experts. And it's producing disastrous results for Floridians. None of us want to go through another shutdown. But here's the thing. The governor's unsafe and reckless rush to reopen may be the very thing that forces our state to shut down again, either because of the damage that's so bad that it's necessary, which is where we are in many parts of the state today, or because Floridians and visitors simply don't feel safe. How much more is the governor willing to let Floridians suffer? We want the governor to follow the recommendations of public health experts, the CDC, and yes, the White House's, Donald Trump's own task force. We want a mandatory statewide mask order. We want targeted stay-at-home orders. And we want what is necessary to keep people safe from this virus and to save lives. DeSantis has yet to respond to the congressional letter. And if the past is prologue, he never will. Florida's unemployment rate drops more than three points, down to 10.4% in June, as the state began the second phase of its effort to reopen for business. More than a million Floridians were out of work in mid-June. That's a drop of almost 300,000 compared to May. Theme parks have started reopening, but tourism and hospitality remain the hardest hit industries. Now, the June numbers, they're an improvement, but they don't reflect the state's decision to close bars again in late June because many were ignoring social distancing rules. And the June numbers came a day after the CDC extended its no-sale order for cruise ships, which sent cruise stocks tumbling. Your calendar of events begins at 9 a.m. when attorneys and plaintiffs hold an online news conference before the start of a trial that seeks to force Florida to take a series of steps to make it easier for people to vote. The trial itself begins at 10. The Women's Suffrage Centennial Commission holds an online meeting at 10.30. The Board of Professional Surveyors and Mappers will also meet online at 10.30. Leading Edge Florida, which represents nursing homes and long-term care facilities, is holding an online news conference at 12.30 to release a report about the coronavirus. The Revenue Estimating Conference meets at 1.30, analyze what are known as Article 5 revenues. They help fund the court system. Today is the deadline for Floridians to register to vote in the August 18th primary elections. And it's time once again to check in with Florida Man. Today, the Animal Edition. 
A Florida man is recovering from multiple injuries after an iguana jumped in front of his bicycle in the Keys. The 62-year-old from Marathon was thrown over the handlebars of his bike when that lizard got wedged in the front fork and brake, causing the tire to lock. He was taken to the hospital for stitches. The iguana didn't make it. Which is fine with the State Wildlife Office. Iguanas are an invasive species. It's perfectly legal to kill them as long as you do it humanely, or in this case, accidentally. Finally today, you've probably heard about Rule 34, which states that pornography exists on the internet for any conceivable topic. Case in point, the Netflix docuseries Tiger King, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness. A Florida man has decided to make a porn parody of the legal battle between Joe Exotic and Carol Bascom. Mark Blaze is the owner of Blazed Studios in Tampa. He says they've already cast the leads, and there's a bit of gender bending going on because Joe Exotic will be played by Nadia White, an actress and fetish model whose previous credits include Jack the Zipper and a Harley Quinn parody. Blaze says they'll hold off on shooting until the pandemic is done. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.